Okay, guys, <laughs> welcome to my very first podcast. We are recording here in Guiwan in Eastern Samar in the Philippines, and I am with the very awesome Renee Patron. Hi. <laughs> That's my first introduction ever on a podcast. <laughs> and you have a puppy trying to steal um, or bite my <laughs> pants like below me. So here we are, guys. We're basically at the ABCD surf camp which is an awesome area in Samar where you could see the waves a little bit of the beach and an area that's called the goat house which is Renee's bar so here we are recording feet in the sand wind in our hair <laughs> but right like um as we get into it or before we get started on any interview questions I just want to ask Renee to introduce herself and give us a bit of a background. Uh, my name is Renee. I'm in my mid-30s. <laughs> I live on the beach now, but I grew up um, between um, LA, New York, and the Philippines. Um, I moved to Samar because this is where my parents are from, my family's from. Um, I started a business, which they call a social enterprise. Um, but when we initially started it, it was to help, to come and bring um, my expertise and what I've been doing in my career for like 15 years in the fashion industry and, and bring all of that here so I could help help the locals um, and create jobs and help livelihood and just enrich lives and also, you know, design with them. Um, so we started a business that we use the local banig making and we we design them into bags and accessories and we sell them around the world yeah so we market it we put it in magazines product placement in international trade shows um, we promote them and then we also have our export company that we actually made during the seven years you know because we had you had to have an export company to in order to do do get the job done to, to bring these products abroad so yeah that's what we do now and we're about to be seven years old um, yeah and aside from doing that I hang out by the beach I live here now with my boyfriend we have a bar he has a surf camp and so yeah we, I just go back and forth <laughs> with that Okay, so let's go back to the day when you first started Bonago, or you first got the idea. Um, what was going on in your life? What was happening? And how did you decide to even start a bag line? Um, what was happening? Um, Seven years ago, dude. Yeah. Well, I, I, how old were you? Uh, oh, now we're gonna do math. <laughs> now I gotta reveal your age. <laughs> no, I think, never mind. I, wait, I think it was like thirty-one or something yeah. like that. Something like that. Yeah. So I, I was working with the Pret-a-Port Day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was a great job. And it was just amazing stuff. Like, oh, this and that. You know, your dream job. But then I wasn't happy because... Is it fashion? Yeah. Yeah. So we were, like, building trade shows and doing distribution for, you know, designers from other countries going into the U.S. And that was cool. But then it got boring. It was just, like, two years of doing that. And I was like, okay, and then what? And then what? It was not fulfilling. And so... I ended up coming back here to visit my grandma because she had a stroke. So I came back, visited her, and then I was like, you know what? What's happening around here? Like, I just wanted to see what the arts and the crafts were, you know, local, like close to here in summer. 
so I stumbled upon the Bunnigs mm-hmm. and then decided to just, you know, I, I wasn't thinking as far ahead of, I'm going to make this a business and a big export company. I'm going to be the next big deal in fashion. <laughs> no, I wasn't thinking just, that. No, I wasn't thinking I was thinking that for you. <laughs> I, it was just like, oh, let me just design a few things and then let me show some of my buyers or show some people that I know and see how they take it. Turns out, we just tried, like, I pulled out, I designed some stuff, had some meetings in New York, what, like I would do for other designers. And I said, what do you guys think of, um, of this stuff, you know? You know, it's made by people from where I'm from, you know, and, and we developed it, we, I designed it with them, and they were like, oh my god, Anthropology threw a PO at us, like a purchase order, which was huge. We, could, we didn't have money. Mm-hmm. We didn't know where we were going to get the money to produce it. So I was like, okay, I think this can be a business, but let me just produce these orders and then get it out. Next thing we know, rolled out into like a full-blown business, like two years at its peak at what like most designers can't even do in like 10 years. That's like, crazy. Yeah, like the amount of sales and reaction we got. I think, you know, with my experience of like, you know, hit and miss with other businesses, I think what we found was we had the right product with the right price point and right design and the right organic story and all of that put together made it like it, it super sellable you know and that was at the peak when we did that that was before anyone was saying like oh artisan made and all of this yeah. stuff that everybody's before claiming the hype. before the hype we just we i found the word artisan when i was thinking of like okay how can i express this and you know tell the story and so we said okay yes it is it's they're artisans artisan made and now all of a sudden there's brands left and right, you know, Everything's claiming that. artisan. <laughs> Handcrafted. Yeah. Social enterprise. <laughs> yeah, but, you know. <laughs> Not to knock them. Some are really good. Yeah, right? some just, are. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd like to say that at that time, we, it, it was organic. And it is organic because that really what, 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 what it was. That's really what it was. That really is what it is. You know, we didn't, we just told the story and then how it linked to who I was and how I grew up and what I loved and what I wanted to support, you know, so... Wait, did you grow up here? Um, kind of part-time. I went to high school in Cebu. Like, we were always going back and forth from Philippines to the States. Got it. Yeah. And then I ended up in Cebu for high school. Got it. Yeah. So we were super familiar with, like, you know, because I have relatives that are very simple, so living like that and then also living in Cebu with, like, international school students. So we kind of, like... We could see best of uh, both worlds and how to get on with both. So the dog, the Shaggy. Sorry, guys. Shaggy's interrupting our audio, our flow. And we're back after after Shaggy started barking and chickens um, started passing by. It was it's a scene here, guys. It's a scene. Um, no goats yet. 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 Watch out for those bats. Um okay so yeah so you were able to experience the best of both worlds from from yeah just going to school and traveling between both you know u.s philippines and then not just philippines but city and then province you know like getting to see you know so i think i think a mix of of being exposed growing up to like all those different cultures was really really helpful to how how our business is now because our artisans they live in the province they're very simple people um so the mentality is a bit different and then knowing what the needs are you know so 
when we started our business, it was really to support those needs. You know, when you say livelihood, it's like helping you livelihood going into like helping to give them um, means to support their children, to send their children to school, to to put food on the table. You know, the simple yeah. things. So that's kind of where the passion also came from. You know, because my my relatives are, are you know are, right. are very close to me and they live like this mm-hmm. so it wasn't something where i came from a big city and was like i want to support these people because they're poor no it's because <laughs> you know it's like, like you know like yeah it, it's something that i could relate to and see that I, I saw that as a child growing up and we can easily relate to it so i wanted to take the experience and the knowledge of culture of like in the Philippines, I hate to say it, there are classes, yeah. right? Um, of like the fortunate to the less fortunate. But it's funny because actually when you're with the less, what we would call or people would call maybe the less fortunate because they don't make as much. Mm-hmm. They're actually not less fortunate. They're happy with what they have. Mm-hmm. But they would like to make a living. Like, you know, so we wanted to provide a way that they could somehow make an, a living and specifically with the women like well, how my mother was in LA she would take sewing jobs for the LA garment district and like no well yeah, yeah like while we while she watched us at home um and my dad was going to work she would have to stay home with us so she couldn't go out to work wow. so she would watch us at home and then she, she had us she got a sewing machine and the LA garment in the LA garment district they they would do this thing that here they call job out which is like take home jobs so like she would do like just so like thousands of the you know like on yeah. suits how they had the patches on the elbows like or shoulder pads like yeah. thousands of those so she'd she'd be sewing while we we're you know taking care of us at home and then she would somebody would come pick those up or we would go drop it off downtown deliver it to the factories and so that's basically kind of what we do now with the women at Banago. so we have them job out instead of keeping them on salary and in a in a in a in one place they do the work at home so they can still be with their kids yeah we provide the materials um we provide the materials they do the work we give them their deadlines we teach them the quality and then they get it done and they deliver it to us just like my mom and my grandma was doing that too in la that's amazing yeah so it kind of like we kind of applied you know applied that kind of mentality of okay it, we need to support the families, but the best person to support there is, sad to say, the women, because the men go out and usually in these communities, they go out and spend on drinking and, you know, they don't bring that money home. The women are the ones who will buy the medicine, buy the kids stuff, buy the food. So in the families, in those communities, the women you really should support. So that's what we do. Nice. Yeah. Uh, where were we? Where were we? I'm recording already. Sorry, guys, I lost my train of thought as I was uploading the last segment. We were talking about women, supporting women in the family. And oh, and I told Renee, I said, that's crazy because my grandmother did something similar where she would sew at home. So my family's from Pasay City. And I know she would sew clothes. I'm not sure if she would do wedding stuff. I think she did toys also. Like she would sew and, and sell. Mm-hmm. And it was her livelihood too and i was telling renee it's i don't think that's the only thing she did i think she she had like 20 side hustles <laughs> you know what I think? Yeah, 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 yeah. like multi like multi um passionate but it, it wasn't a thing like oh i'm gonna do all these things it was kind of like 
you had to make money so you do yeah. different types of jobs yeah. and see what you could make yeah. and not out of ego not because of branding because there was no way you could put it online mm-hmm. and tell the world or put it on Instagram and be like oh I'm an artist it wasn't yeah, yeah. she just like was trying to support the family yeah. and what we were talking about we were like yeah you, you know women really we take on a lot of jobs just yeah. to you know take care of people mm-hmm. yeah yeah Women play that role in the family. Yeah. They, the more responsible role. I mean, not to be sexist, you know? Sorry. Not, to, not, <laughs> not just because I have a women empowerment conference, but, you know. <laughs> no, men, you're great, too. <laughs> Wait, you were saying something? You were talking to... Oh, well, what, what, about the um, how men in the families, or... No, you said you were talking to someone in a... Oh, I, yeah. I, yeah, I was... You know, when we started the business, and I was looking for funding, you know, for our production, because it, yeah. it was like not what we expected like you know the orders were like we i couldn't afford it mm-hmm. to, to 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 pay for it so i so you got a huge amount of orders but you had no capital yes oh, that's crazy <laughs> yeah no we didn't even know it was going to be a business this was just like as if we were playing a game and it was like oh shit like i'm sorry they like us like, i'm like oh no like yeah. wait this is a good problem to have but where the hell am i going to get the funding how am i going to pay for production you know like okay well I don't have a million just laying around right now because I just quit my job you know yeah. we, that's what we need we need a million pesos okay yeah which is about at the time $20,000 something like that I'm not good yeah. at conversion <laughs> but I think, I think it's something like that yeah. yeah so we just we needed that that was initial and I think what happened was it was really funny um, I'm not really a religious person but maybe more spiritual so I was like, okay, well, if this is meant to be, I'm going to find that money. But I need to find it, like, now. Because... What was your timetable? Um, we got those orders, like, in September. And we needed to produce it to ship it by February. Okay. Okay. So yeah. I had to find a million pesos. And you know during Christmas time, no one works anymore in the Philippines. It's shut down for, like, a month. Yeah. Right? So I was like, okay, should I just tell my buyers? Oh, I was just joking. You know, like, this isn't real. And I was like, oh, fuck it. You know, let me go find the money. So... We ended up, um, I ended up getting a, a partial loan from a, a, a personal friend. And I was like, I'll give you 10% in like how many months? Like, because you have money laying around. You might as well make 10%, you know? And he trusts me. So I was like, okay. So I ended up paying him back, giving him 10% loan. But that was half. The other part, I ended up loaning my, oh, wait. Oh, wait. So we'll stop at the loan. Okay, the loan. okay. Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Okay, so you're talking about getting a loan. Another interruption. There's a first aid situation. <laughs> Just <laughs> whoever is listening, yeah, <laughs> someone fell out a cave, guys. <laughs> Audio uh, podcast had to stop. One of our guests. <laughs> See, these are real problems that other podcasters <laughs> don't go through, or do they? Um, yes, yeah, so you're talking about your loan. So yeah, we ended up. Um, you know, part of it I got personal loan from a friend, and is it loud? It happens. Okay. There's first aid situation going on beside us. So if you hear <laughs> other noises happening, just so you know. Okay. Um, and then um, I was pretty desperate. So I talked to my parents and I was like, would you be willing to help? Hey, Frank, I know. We're going to record. What's going on? That's me in Tagalog, guys. <laughs> Frank's so loud. <laughs> so we have our our bar, all around bar guy who's turned nurse. His mom is a His nurse. His mother's a nurse, so he so knows <laughs> what to do. 
serves as corned beef, coffee, and can apply. What is that? Betadine. Betadine. <laughs> Island life. Okay, going back to you being desperate. So yeah, we ended up,、um, you know, I ended up speaking to my parents, and they met, they met my production partners at the time, and you know. They felt that it was right, you know. So they they we put the house, our house,、wow. on collateral, <sighs> their house, to for the loan. So yeah, your parents love you. <laughs> I know, and they would they don't normally do this kind of stuff. So they believed in it. They believed in what I was doing, and 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 I think ever since I was a kid, they kind of trusted like Renee will find a way to make it work, you know, like. And um, so I worked with them on that, and then. Yeah, till now, and then the 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 difficult part, which was the traumatizing part, not only for like when that typhoon happened and it hit the business, it hit, you know, our homes. The peak of our business, we were still rolling out loans under the house under collateral. That's what. That's. Like like when when we got hit bad with the, we got hit really bad with the、um, typhoon, so we were. Yeah. Typhoon Haiyan. Typhoon Haiyan. Yeah. So we got hit financially, you know, and at that time we were still working on the loans and paying them back. So that's another thing that was really hard for me to to swallow was we lost so much, and and my parents' house was on collateral on those loans, you know. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to lose my parents' house because of this typhoon, you know. So yeah. So that there was a lot to it. I mean, there was a lot. The bank would understand, right? Yeah,、I、they mean, gave us they gave us time. Yeah, totally. Yeah. They gave us time. But what happened was we had like you know like in orders in purchase orders、yeah. for that season. That was a peak of our business. We had half a million dollars in、oh、orders that we could not fulfill. Yeah, like we we shipped J Crew maybe like a fourth of their order, not even. But they every, all understood. They、right? all understood. Because <laughs> I'm like, yeah, no, people <laughs> yeah. don't got houses right now. <laughs> no, they all understood, but. It was such a hit、yeah. to us, you know, because that was the year that we knew it was the peak of our business. So I invested a lot. Yeah, I invested a lot. Like we did some, we did like five or six trade shows that year. Did a lot of traveling. So we threw in a lot of money, so that you know, I mean, and then we it just get orders. It just went. Yeah, you know, it just kind of exploded. But now we're you know five years in now. I mean, after the typhoon, five years in now, and then seven years into the business. We're finally like getting okay. So you were two years of doing the business,、yeah. growing it, the peak of it, which was your third year. High was, end happened. Which I think that was the second or th- going to the third year. Yeah. Going to the third year, high end happened. Yeah. And then the last five years was getting yourself back. Yeah, like like kind of recovering after that, you know. Damn. Yeah. Like till now. I mean, it's it's okay now. Like we're we're going. It's supporting itself, but it's still not as easy. What was it like? I it's. I'm already resisting asking the question for fear of being insensitive. But no, what was it? It's been five years. Yeah. What was it like? Like what was happening when the typhoon hit? And like what was the situation going on? And do you know what I mean? Um. When the typhoon hit, I was at my parents' house in Gwan, like in Main Town, and we hid in the bathroom. And there's water was rising. I mean, really, honestly, like everyone, everyone same. Oh, Shaggy. Everyone same reaction or 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 story is. Shaggy, stop it. Everyone same reaction is. I'm not editing this. Shaggy, <laughs> you're gonna be famous. 
and we're we touched on a sensitive topic, and he doesn't. <laughs> um, Where was Shaggy this whole time? Too? He was He's like eight. Us. Yeah. Was so you know, I was holding a mattress to the to the because the door broke down, so yeah. I had to hold a mattress. He was there holding it too because the water was rising. Like yeah. He's got trauma from it too. Like for I think a month or two months, he wouldn't stand on the floor. He'd have to sit on like stand on a chair or a table. What? Yeah. Even dogs had it. Yeah. Whew. No, yeah. like you could hear. The wind was so strong that it felt. You know, when you're up in the airplane, the pressure is so strong, your mm-hmm. ears feel like they're popping. It was like that. Like you were. I, I was actually afraid that my eardrums were gonna explode or something because I think the wind was so strong. The pressure was like all you could hear is ooh, yeah, ooh, ooh, and just, it was like it was that feeling of like I looked at my parents. Like I looked at their faces while we were like holding things and like trying to just. And I was like, okay, this is this is it. We're gonna die together here now. Like, th- there was no question. That's that was my thought. Like, we're it, yeah. it's a, it's a crazy moment to realize that that okay, this is the moment that we're gonna die together. Need <laughs> oh. <sighs> to breathe, girl. No, yeah, yeah, I never thought that in my life I could. You know, like you know, accidents happen. Maybe you just like die, but I never thought that I could be in that. Like, okay, we're gonna we might gonna die together today right in just a few hours like if this because what happened was they predicted first of all there was no proper warning okay (laughs) you know so we couldn't prepare the house and nobody could because nobody was properly warned they when president pinoy came on tv to warn it was 9 p.m the typhoon happened at what like three in the morning there's no time to buy anything to to prepare you know because at that time there was a pork barrel scandal all over the news and that's all they played which they should have been warning people (laughs) yeah and the way that they warned a lot of people was like okay it's gonna be really bad there's gonna be a storm surge i did not know what a storm surge was yeah they should have said like tsunami or whatever or like you know whatever like they didn't tell us how bad the storm was gonna be so that happened and then yeah we walked out of the house and i was like oh shit we're alive how many hours were you in the house um maybe like four i don't know i can't even really remember but like four hours and the thing is what what was freaking us out i had to stay calm because i want my parents to freak out but like what what was even more scary was if it was so bad that we thought we were gonna die that the house is gonna fall on us and we kept like the water was rising you know and so the thing was that the warning they said it was gonna come I think later they said it was gonna hit us at like five or six but it hit at like three so I was like if in my head I was like if this is how bad it is now at 3 a.m. it's gonna get worse I was like we're not gonna survive it so we're gonna die you know so thank god it just came earlier and that was it like it wasn't (laughs) you know that was the worst so we walked out of the house I remember my dad my dad like fought in Vietnam and like saw atomic bombs and stuff happen to places you know and we walked out and he was like I've never seen this in my life I've seen cities bombed he's like this looks like there was an atomic bomb that just dropped on us like we walked outside it was ridiculous like it was crazy it was like you look every every centimeter of where you look left right like was like how the hell did that happen how the hell did that happen <laughs> you know like yeah. metal things like twisted Cars on trees, like. Yeah. 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 Sorry. 
Yeah. <laughs> Lilu interrupted. <laughs> She's making crepes, something. Oh, pasta. She's making yeah. pasta. <laughs> we're, at, we're also at the goat house, which yeah, is Renee's. Renee bar, and her boyfriend's bar. Bar and like so eating place. People yeah. gotta work. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So how? What did you guys do? Right after, so you went outside. You saw the situation. What was going on? What did you do? Did you try to call anyone? Well, we couldn't. Yeah. There was no phone service. Mm-hmm. There was no phone signal. Wait, let's time off. Right? Okay. Okay. So I'm trying to understand your situation. I mean, with you on ground when it was happening. So the storm lasted about four hours. Yeah, or maybe three. Yeah, four. Yeah. Yeah, but the aftermath is what you said. Yeah, it was more traumatizing probably. You know, because that other stuff was kind of like gunshots. And then, you know, know, I'm just saying like it it was so fast. Like, I think a lot of the trauma from the typhoon came from the after stuff. Like, of where are we going to get food? Mm. Where are we going to get water? What if we run out of supplies? Are people going to break into our house and steal our food? Are people going to break into our house? Because we had no roof. You can climb in. You know, like, yeah. it was raining. There's a waterfall going from upstairs to downstairs every damn day. You know, it was yeah. it was nuts. Like, you're wet every day. No, and, and all the trees were gone, so it was hot. You had to, you know, like, figure out, like, okay, money really doesn't matter right now. So if you were rich or poor, wah, everybody's the same. Like, money didn't mean anything to anyone at that time because you couldn't buy anything. True. You know, we couldn't get to an ATM. There was no ATM. <laughs> it was soggy. Or yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was crazy. Like, it, it, like, you were back at zero. And I remember, like, you know, Solangan, this barrio, because yeah. you know, main town, we got here like 15 minutes, and then Solangan's there where June was. Yeah. And our my other family is down there. Like, June is Renee's boyfriend, by the way. Yeah. So... Where June's from is where my mom's family's from. So we have a lot of relatives there. So because we couldn't get here, the roads were like covered in trees and boulders and everything. Like you couldn't see the roads. You couldn't get through. So people started walking. And the rumor was that everyone down here was dead. Jesus. So we were like, okay, well, we got to just figure out on our own. Like, you know, good thing I saw June. Like at... We were all trying to like get food at this market or something, you know. Like every, it was like a big crowd just like trying to like get food, you know. So good thing he we saw each other there, and then he took care of things down here. But it was funny; it was really like back to basics. Like whenever we had to send things or say, like me and my friend Susan ended up like um, running into our friend from Cebu who headed like our 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 relief operations or whatever. Um, so whenever we needed to send examples, something to Solangan, there were no phones. We had to do it old style. Like we had to write letters right. and find someone that we saw that walked all the way from Solangan, all the way there for five hours to look for food and give them this thing to give a message to June or something. Okay, we're coming with a truck. Make sure people are ready. Let them line up on this day. Da, 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 da. You know, like old style. Yeah. yeah, there was no, no, like old, old, back to basics. But like we figured out, I don't know how, out of panic mode, but in that like, I think it was a whole, almost a whole year of working relief. Right. So we figured out how to do all that with no phones and no like electric. Yeah, it was nuts. And, and no gasoline. That was our biggest thing to like, to get, get, how do you get the relief to places when you don't have gas or diesel? 
Yeah. So we had we, part of the relief operations was we had our friends from Cebu. They would send a boat with diesel and gas so we could operate the trucks to send stuff out. You know, it was crazy. It was crazy. And then, how long did it take till you guys got proper communication channels? I think it was. Luckily, our friend from Cebu brought this one smart um, smartphone, which was a, a satellite phone. So smart sponsored that, yeah. and what we ended up doing was because there was no communication, we opened up that line. Anybody, could, and it was in the main town, Giwan, in um, Susan's, my partner in the operations. It was her looted grocery store. We turned that into the relief operations place, and we put the phone there, and we let anybody and everybody stand in line, which the line was like crazy. Mm-hmm. People waited like a whole day just to make a phone call. You were only allowed two minutes. We had to cut it down to one minute to just call your relatives to let them know you're alive and you're okay. So Smart sponsored that one phone. Yeah. So it was crazy because during that time, we were manning the phones. We had to man it. We had to dial. We had to, and we had to listen to each conversation and each each story. There were some stories that were really fucking like, like they're all dead. Everyone's God. dead. Like yeah. Then there were stories of like, you know, like just you just heard all of it, and so. Before we had the relief operations, we had the phone thing, and that's what encouraged us to just say, you know what? There are so many people who are not getting relief because it was being sent to the municipal hall, and mm-hmm. it was just a mess there because everybody's a victim. So even though no one was there to really organize it and be on top of like, there was a lot going on. So whatever relief would end up with the LGU or like the government. Would really not be distributed properly because people were rummaging already Damn. through it, so it wouldn't get to the barrios. So after hearing those crazy individual stories, I mean, all day, like a minute call—that's yeah. a long time. You hear like the needs, so we kept hearing the needs of what the problems, and we're like, "What barrio are you in?" And we're like, "We're just here. We're in Manikani Island." And like, people don't have water. People don't have. You hear them calling their relatives, telling them what they need, yeah. and it was like the simple stuff, like water food you know milk for the kids whatever and they didn't have that so we were like that's when we started our own operations so after me and susan started it with our friend kate we called it gdrc giwan disaster i forgot, I forgot giwan disaster something, mm-hmm. something. um so we ended up doing that because we heard the needs you know and then we just organized the, the funny thing was my expertise is distribution <laughs> actually <laughs> yeah so and then susan's expertise was grocery mm, yeah so she knew how to stock and separate yeah and and you know like manage that part and i managed the distribution to the barangays and da, 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 da. so it was a good funny partnership <laughs> so the relief operations was really successful because yeah. We knew the logistics of what we just know because <laughs> of your because of your business because <laughs> of my but it was distribution in a different yeah, way on a different way <laughs> so instead of like bags yeah or because everything. with mine it's like we had to become okay Bonago we had to we had to do a crash course in teaching ourselves how to be exporters and how to distribute to different countries to different stores to this yo that's a crazy story in, with yeah. logistics yeah so I had to figure that out with relief yeah. So I figured, okay, 61 barangays, okay, we don't have gas. So we contact all the barangay captains, we have a meeting with them, tell them all come here, we're gonna give you your whole barangay, like per family each, like this, this, and that. But you need to figure out, you guys need to get together and figure out how you're gonna get your own gas, your own diesel, and your own truck. Come here, pick it up, because we can't do that. Right. 
you know, because otherwise, then you're spoiling the community too. They have to also work for it because we can't just go yeah. in there and be dying over there, you know. So, you know, they gotta. Everyone they gotta, needs to work together yeah, right now. Yeah, so to survive. So we would have them come, and then people were asking. They were like, "Well, how do you know that it will get to them? What if the barangay captain just takes all of it?" I go, "Okay, well, let's use scare tactics." So what we did was not really scare tactics, but we held, we made them hold a sign, name of barangay, name of the barangay captain, how many how many um, packs, like mm-hmm. relief packs or rice or whatever or meat or whatever, yeah. and they would hold it. We take their picture and we kind of post that public so that they know that okay accountability yeah so it's kind of like that so each barangay had that that was our process wow yeah where would you post it just curious just facebook facebook and make okay. it public so that you know so if ever people didn't get the goods you could say hey yeah, but this hey, person we gave it to the barangay yeah. captain so you need to ask you know yeah and we would talk to the barangay captain and say listen we're taking your picture we're letting the whole barangay know that you have it so please distribute it evenly or we're not going to oh give to your barangay anymore we told them were there cases where some people just kept it to themselves i'm sure yeah i'm sure or they favoritized yeah you know yeah it happens you know some people really want to take care of their families first you know so we had to talk to them and say if you don't if we find out that you're not distributing it the right way fairly we're not going to give your barangay anymore Mm -hmm. that's it you know so yeah. that was the only thing we couldn't do. We couldn't, like, go there and check, you know? How many people were on your team? You and your business partner. And it was me, you had volunteers. Susan, the one in, and Kate in Cebu. We ended up partnering with the SM Foundation. Yeah. So they were one of our suppliers. And then um, the LaSalle group, which until now, they're still, they have that two-story school on one of the islands. That's awesome. And Susan is still taking care of them. Um who else? Lots of organizations. A lot of the the people ended up going through us because nobody was trusting the government anymore. So we were just like, we weren't even a real foundation organization. We, we were just doing it. I think it was me and Susan's way of dealing with, um, of pretending, uh, well, not pretending, but we both got bad, badly hit with our businesses. So we kind of blind blindsided ourselves by diving into like helping people so that we didn't have to face what just happened to our businesses? Yeah, <laughs> she got looted. I'm sure. Yeah, for like ten million worth in groceries. And then, what? How did you, like, what happened in terms of your business? To state the obvious, we yeah. know what happened. But, like, how did you find out where your workers were? How did you find out where your production, like, how your production house was? Well. After two weeks of being down here, I didn't want to leave because it, it was really hard to leave. Like, leave my parents here. I didn't want to leave them here. You know, I didn't want to leave the people here. That was hard. So when I left, I, I had to because I had to see if they were alive. Because we could just hear rumors only, like, people down there are all dead. I thought everybody in my place where we do the Badama stuff was dead. So I was kind of like, okay, I had to face it. You know, I had to face it. So I had to go. I ended up flying with Christy from the SM Foundation. She, like, pulled me and forced me on the plane. She's like, no, you need to stop hiding you need to get out and talk to people and find out what's going on and you can also help more with relief if you just go talk to some people like get out of here for like just a day or two you know that was hard because like when I got out of there like I checked into a hotel and I've I've never felt like that in my life do you remember when I posted something I, I posted something on Facebook and you even sent me a personal message and you were like Renee we're here for you we love you like that was like rock bottom because it was 
it was like a mind fuck to go back to normal, see? Yeah. Like, I, they checked me into the Marriott, and there was like a buffet. And I sat there, and I was like crying at the buffet, because I was like, how are all these people acting normal? Oh my God, and why yeah. is there a buffet? Like, I can't even touch the food. I can't, I couldn't eat. Because I felt so guilty that people down here and us were like dying for food, the simple things. And there's a fucking buffet. Yeah. <laughs> and people are just like acting like normal. And they life. don't even finish the food on their plate. You're <laughs> like, no <laughs> <laughs> so, but like you know, like it, everything was just so normal. Yeah. When there's like chaos down mm, here, yeah. you know that was really hard to face, and and then I knew the next day I had to meet with the foundation I work with, the ones with the loans, and the, you know I just had to face a lot of people that I didn't want to. You know I didn't even open my Facebook because like once I turned on the internet like my phone because you know there's no signal mm-hmm. I turned it on and it was like fucking like probably a thousand notifications because people remember how I was missing or whatever like so many notifications and so many emails so many messages like crazy it's like stuff that was just like it's too much everything was just too much you know yeah like everything was just too much and yeah that's the first time I actually thought about killing myself or something but I didn't want to do that because I I love my family and all but it was just it was like I didn't know where to go you know yeah. Usually, you you know at least like you you have thoughts of like I could do this, I could do that. No, uh, it was like first time in my life. It was like, Oof. you know, yeah. Like, where do you go from here? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, and I was like, is my mind fucked now? Am I gonna be crazy after this? <laughs> you know, because I was like, why am I? Why is it? Why am I crying right now in front of the buffet? People are just being normal. Like, yeah. am I crazy? You know what I mean? You start to question, like, I am fucked. I got trauma. Like, there's something wrong. Especially when you've witnessed it firsthand. Yeah. How do you explain to other people who haven't seen it or felt it yeah. what you it's, just went it's through? The, that yeah. feeling you just can't... You can't explain... Like, I couldn't even explain it to myself. I was like, I'm crying because I'm looking at people enjoying a buffet. Or, like, you know, and, like not even wanting to pick up the phone and talk to my family in the states who's asking am I alive and all that stuff because because you're gonna ask questions you don't even know what to say like we're just fucked (laughs) (laughs) like what do you say yeah it's it's and a lot of it was about facing the music just face it face the reality this shit really happened it's not a dream you know sometimes I was like was this just a fucking dream like you know not only with all that other stuff but like the business we built it was a do good thing like it, I wholeheartedly started this with my heart in the right place and then you, you start to think like out of all the people or out of all the businesses why would God you know quote unquote God do this to us when our intention was really good so then I, then I started to get spiritual and start asking what is what is the greater meaning for this because there's always a good reason for everything right there always is yeah. and that's that's what kept me going but that's what i started questioning like okay i, I stopped <coughs> shaggy i stopped questioning it i just kind of just went with it and was like there there's a good <coughs> good good reason this is happening i just shaggy <laughs> i just okay <laughs> Shaggy had to like break the <laughs> I don't so I was just saying before I recorded like I don't even know where to take 
my questions from what you just told me because it was I didn't even know you went through that and I'm your friend you know what I mean well I remember I I was kind of like I had to let it out because I didn't want to talk to anyone so I did this Facebook post yeah you know I don't remember it was really long and it was like um, I think you even shared it recently yeah because you reshared it because it came up as a memory. Yeah, it was a memory. Facebook does that to you. <laughs> I, I reread it and I was like, wow, you know, looking back at it, like, I'm thankful for it, you know? Yeah. Like, that, that was the moment that, yeah, it was It was really, really, that was probably in my life the, the rock bottom I've ever been, you know? Yeah. You lost a lot in what things you worked hard for, your family suffering. Like, it was just a lot, you know, people suffering, like. Yeah, a lot to see, feel. Yeah, a lot to people. see and feel. I was so skinny back then. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so how were you able to... How was your recovery process? That's a really vague question and a little general, but how was it in in climbing back up? Um, I think that's why I dived into hard work with the relief and helping people was that was my way of that was my own therapy for myself I realize now you know because I find joy in that and and I don't know I I I just I I, it was my way of proving I was strong that I can get through it by helping everyone else you know so I think that was my therapy and that's why thank god I was maybe that's what why god did that to me so I could be that strength to help you know yeah because I don't know who else would have like taken the initiative you know I mean, a lot of people did. They did. Everybody did their own help. Everybody did, you know. But that was my way of dealing with coping. Coping. Yeah, and recovering. So. And how did you get your... You know what's funny? You were telling me this when I got here to Gion. You're like, you know, when you lose everything, other things don't matter as much. Yeah. So even... So my next question I was going to say, like, so how did you get your business back on track? But I was like, who gives a fuck, right? <laughs> now I'm like, shut up. You're alive. No one can't, right? You're yeah, just yeah. like, but, I'll, you know, the next, if it was a business podcast, I'd be like, so how did you recover from your business? Blah, blah, blah. But part of me is like, you're alive. Be grateful, yeah. you know. And Love I th- the people around you. Yeah, and I think, I think that's why I've changed my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Like, before that, when I was living in the States, and I was still... You know, just beginning with Bonago. Wait, so what? Hmm. Sorry to go yeah, back. Okay. At the time, high end happened. Were you living here full time or in the states full time? Or it was kind of half and you half. Were, half, half still. Half okay. and half still. Yeah. And then after high end or Yolanda, you were able to, or you decided to move completely to summer because I caught you at that period. Yeah. I caught you, but that was only a year and a half ago. I caught you in LA when you were packing up your apartment. Oh yeah, because I kept I kept the place for the place. for a warehouse and like for an office for you know my employee to work you know I kept it so I, I decided to let it go because I just I just wanted a complete change and we didn't need the additional expense you know I just realized I was like we can nowadays we can run the business remotely true you know and just have contractors or like warehouses to do the other stuff true so that was. Um, Sorry, I'm getting a little lost in my thoughts. So you decided to... When did you decide exactly to move here full-time? Just trying to get my timeline. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Time to eat? No. Okay. No, <laughs> they'll save some. Or there's another... There's a birthday, birthday party, party. <laughs> happening. It's Primo's birthday. Primo also <laughs> works here. <Yeah. laughs> okay. 
Um, what was the question? Sorry. I don't know. I forgot my own question. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to get my timelines in order okay. in terms of, okay, uh, Yolanda, or Hayan happened, and then you were going through a shift of moving completely to the Philippines, letting go of your LA lifestyle, <laughs> your New York lifestyle, yeah. and completely moving to Samar. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and I think it wasn't like a hard, it wasn't like a decision. It just happened naturally. You know, I just liked spending more time here. After the typhoon, what was also therapy for me after kind of in the transition of the slowing down of the relief work, um, I started to realize, okay, I gotta, I gotta work on me now. So a lot of that was, I was, I, I dived into surfing. Damn, okay. You know, tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, but I, I was surfing for a pastime for, you know, like just a hobby, you know, an exercise. And I loved it. And, you know, with my cousins, and my good friends who were from here, um, I was doing that as just, you know, just playtime. And then I realized later, like I dived into it um, because it was really therapeutic. It really, really was. And then I also started painting. <laughs> saying I'm doing this for therapy I just realized now in hindsight that I was doing a lot of things to cure myself you know to, to try to make sense of everything you know and and to find clarity and in, in like okay why is shit happening to me <laughs> why did this shit happen to us or everybody you know and you know you, you can't really fight that you kind of have to go with it and be thankful you know and that's what I did every day and I started to appreciate the things I didn't before. Such as? Such as, like, the value in being able to really live every day. Like, the simple things, like how it is here. Like, we, I can now, before, the kind of person I was before the typhoon, I couldn't just sit there and not think in hustle mode or, like, what's my next? You know, like, well, how am I going to do this next? I still have those thoughts. <laughs> I'm like that, like, damn. Okay. Yeah. But after the typhoon, it now I can sit here and just be. And be, be. Because why? Without even thinking about it, I'm just thankful. Like, no. There's more to life than that. You know, because in four hours, you can lose it. Like I did. You know? Yeah. In four hours, none of... Everything was erased. So, kind of knowing that, you kind of... You kind of um, yeah, uh, after realizing that, after <laughs> all that crap, you kind of just it's learn like, to live, to love life in a different way and to, to want to live it with things that can a typhoon cannot take away. Does that make sense? I get it. Yeah. yeah. I think, because I'm going through reflection mode as you yeah, talk yeah. to. It's just like my mind's like, hmm, what if, I'm yeah. so superficial <laughs> in my life. No, it's no, not, it's just, though. No, but it's more like... I spent so much time building things in the outside world that would look good, you know, that my ego wanted yeah, to yeah. prove to myself it was important or to the world I was good yeah. or good enough. And when you talk to me about these stories, I'm like, does it even matter? <laughs> right? Like, did all of that really? Like, really? I don't know. Well, I'm because, just, okay, yeah. like, in a situation, it's like, okay, typhoon happens and then what really mattered like showed up is we can eat can we eat can we drink water can we do we have our loved ones still 
Yeah. You know, do we have our health still? Yeah. Um, do we have our limbs still? <laughs> yeah. You know, there's people who lost legs and stuff. So it's like, yeah, you really, you, when you go through hard things like that, it really, like, kind of wakes you up to, like, without me really directly to asking myself, but, like, when I do things now is, like, okay, but will that matter if another typhoon happened? You know? Yeah. Yeah, like, I try now to move so much more with love and gratitude. I know it sounds so cliche, but, like, I always try to kind of remind myself, like, is that loving? Is that, um, I don't know. I don't know what else to... I think that's great. Yeah. I don't think we need to add more to that, you know. <laughs> Let me just save this segment real okay. quick. Okay, now. On the lighter topic. Okay, let's go back to Bonago. Okay, okay. It was, was a great release, though. Yeah, yeah. And I loved all the lessons and um, insights you picked up on that. Okay, so going back to Bonago and going back to... So you moved here completely. Yeah. Rebuilt your business from the ground up. Literally from the ground up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then how has... I don't even know. Honestly, I don't even know where to go with this right now. But how how are you now with the business? What's happened? Um, where are you taking it? Well, it's funny because as we recover, more competition has come. You know, we did a whole Kickstarter. We put on the internet, like, what we've been doing and supporting the artisans and supporting livelihood. And then after Typhoon Haiyan, like, supporting the victims, like us. Because we, I also was a victim, you know, like, the survivors and supporting that. So that was, it became that for two years. Like, we were fighting for that to rebuild it, rebuild it. You know, we did the Kickstarter and raised, like, money. We raised money to basically cover the orders that, like, so, you know, when you can, when you buy in how Kickstarter works and so um, but now in the, in that business because it's become so trendy yeah. to have artisan made and, and beach bags we have so much more competition now right. so it's harder to get to our peak but we, we're, we're still good we're just not at what that was right um, right before the typhoon hit mm-hmm. yeah and I the only way like with Bonago that we are going to actually make it like if I wanted to make it a bigger business or I could just leave it the way it is you know it's a choice it's like do you want to create like a huge company like huge money making or do you want it to just be I ask enough? myself all the time dude I ask myself that all the time you know yeah. do you want to be like huge because then there's shit that comes with that yeah you gotta work hard yeah or do I want to just be okay and you know so there are things that we did so we added um the jewelry accessories so that's a way of increasing our business without having to um increase our production line with just the mats with the bunning you know mm-hmm. so we are increasing our business in other areas yeah yeah so we're trying to expand that's why we have to start designing outside of just samar goods so now that's why we're partnering with weavers and artisans in like Palawan doing the bamboo skin that we're doing which is actually pretty successful it's nice we get to support them I went to visit them it's kind of the same setup you know they do it at home they deliver it same thing and then they send those to us in Samar and we apply it and we mix it with our our natural stuff and then um, we're also working with um, there's a there's a community near Shaggy 
There's a Shaggy's co- gonna be the most popular <laughs> dog after I publish this. Shaggy is a little spoiled brat. Um, so near, you know how my own volcano, volcano erupted. Erupted, yeah. So there's a community there, and they do abaca weave. So we're doing net bags with them to go outside of our. Oh, thank you, Lilo. Lilo just made. Can you say something in French? Bonjour, comment ça va? <laughs> Lilu is from Laos yeah. and used to live in Paris or was raised in Paris, was backpacking in the Philippines, fell in love and is now here at the goat house. So it's a commercial break. Now you know Lilu. Okay. Okay, go on. And um, talking about um, Abaca. Oh, okay. Yeah. So near Mayon, where, um, where the volcano erupted, there's a community there uh, that we work with to do our net bags that we're going to mix in. It's and then inside is our regular um, tiku bag, you know. So we're mixing that, and then we also did a collab with Antil, which they get their weavers are from Mindanao. With the, it's also abaca weaving, a fabric. So we're really now trying to expand into mixing what we do in Samar and mixing it with different regions and bringing that together, you know. So that because, I mean, production-wise. For what we do in summer, there's a capacity for it. So if we want to grow in sales, when we start talking business now yeah. and the business side, if we want to expand in sales and grow in sales, we have to expand communities. Why? Because we are at capacity already with what we do. Right. Yeah. Because we've we've for seven years we've grown that market. We've made it such a luxury, um, in demand thing. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like that seven years ago. Right. Because of Vogue and like. What she stores? Got, she got featured in Vogue, guys. <laughs> Wait, it was Vogue, El Japan, Lucky. Yeah. And um, almost all, most yeah, of them. Yeah, travel and leisure. Yeah. And top retailers around the world. Now we're in, yeah. Anthropology. You did Tommy a collaboration. Bahama. Yeah, Tommy Bahama. We did Bonago for Tommy Bahama. All of their retail outlets, which is perfect because we're both island life. So it was yeah, a nice totally. partnership. And then um, now, top retailers in the world. Yeah. You know, Bloomingdale's. Like, well, we have Bloomingdale's and then but for me design wise you know where you there's an appreciation for design it's mercy and le bon marché in paris. paris those are like the best yeah you know a, a taste wise and i mean it's not easy to get in there so that's validation that our design is good you know yeah that we're doing something right design wise but going back to like the business side of it where we need to expand our business the way we can do that is because we're at capacity with our summer production so we can't increase sales with that we have to expand the jewelry we have to expand to other weavers and other producers and manufacturers under the brand name right you know so that's how we can grow as a business yeah so that's where we are now we're expanding in that way that's awesome yeah so what else do you have for the future what else is in store? Our seven-year anniversary. I was going to say that. I was like, <laughs> I'm mouthing it right beside the phone. Yeah. We're celebrating our seven-year anniversary in um, June 27. Hopefully, mm-hmm. that's a date at the ruins in um, in Poblacion, in Makati, Manila. Yeah. Yeah. And then if people want to purchase your product, where can they go? We're working on a partnership with Seek the Unique to be our official exclusive um, online retailer for the Philippines and for Asia. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're going to do that. Yeah. And then how about your site? I think we're going to keep the site for information Got it. and not, not sell direct to consumer there because we, we really like to focus more on our retailers.
that's that's our business okay. you know and then we also don't want to compete with our online retailers right. you know like if we have Secret Unique Bloomingdale's or Revolve like the people yeah. selling it online we don't want to compete with them right. we actually want to support them <laughs> you know great. Yeah. yeah so you can you know, that's that's the route we choose so you know like you can choose which way you want to go some people are really strong with direct to consumer but we're just we'd rather go wholesale and we, we produce in bulk because yeah. for us also guys it's hard to get Wi-Fi here <laughs> like <laughs> How are we going to ship the order if we can't even get your email? Exactly. <laughs> you say how I said we, as if I like I live here, right? Yeah. So here for two days, think she's a local. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Any last words? Uh, I'm so happy you finally came to visit me, me here. You know, I have a lot of friends because I changed my life that yeah. only see it on social media. get it now when you were saying like oh you know I just you know you tell me before because I'd always be your wedding date and some type of wedding <laughs> and you'd say like you know my life smells different I like the simple life etc and I'm like I get it I mean, I'm from Philippines too so yeah, yeah. but when you're actually here and you are looking around at the view and I think one of the things I'm picking up as a lesson it's also the people yeah like everyone yeah. around you here that you've been introduced me to or meeting they're all very kind mm-hmm. and they're they have great hearts open-hearted warm-hearted um I think what I'm learning and picking up is not just how do I want to spend my time but who do you want to spend your time with yes and the people you look around surrounding you so that's what I'm learning right now in this whole game one trip to yeah. really think about yeah there's things you want to do you know whatever people could say rock climbing or whatever surfing but a huge part of it now is like just who do you want to chill with <laughs> right? yeah. it's like I'm happy just chilling with you yeah sorry I, I just I, I kind of yeah, have to yeah. like throw in my life lessons <laughs> at the end of the vlog so well great. Renee Renee brought me to Guan, okay yeah. she's the whole reason I'm here yeah so how to get here just to teach people if you get to Manila you have to fly from Manila to Tacloban or anywhere Cebu Tacloban yeah get to Tacloban airport and then you take a van, van to the van terminal yeah, yeah, yeah. you get to the van terminal to go to Giwan yeah which is like three to three and a half hours yeah three to three and a half hour ride so total it would be okay from Manila to Tacloban it's about an hour or two uh, I think an or an hour an hour okay hour. so total maybe four to five hours of travel time yeah. from Manila yeah. that's good I should go to different parts of the Philippines and do podcasts <laughs> yeah, I need a sponsor <laughs> Okay, so with that said, um, here's my interview with Renee Patron, founder of Bonago Bags. Went through her whole story of how she started Bonago, how she survived Typhoon Haiyan, built back everything. Not just your business, but your life. Your life. And um, if you guys want to know more, um, follow Renee on Instagram. Can I say that? You're in private, though. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, don't. Oh, my God. Sorry guys, it's all recorded. All right, follow follow Renee at I love Vanago. <laughs> Yo, that was scary. I love Vanago, right? Yeah, wait. All right. Of course, I didn't. I was too busy doing my ex ex extra. All right, guys, over and out. This is Vicky Herrera.